This is Akata is a Bad Word, a podcast to improve understanding between Africans and African Americans through conversations about topics that affect us all. I am Busala Saka, your host, and I hope you will join me in opening your hearts and minds to different perspectives. Thank you so much for listening. Hello, everyone. It's been a while. Um, I am back today with another episode, and today I am sitting down with Denoris um, of Travel and Truth. Um, so to give a little context, if you listened to the last episode, which if you didn't, you should, um, I interviewed Denoris's lovely wife, Buki, who I went to college with, and we had a really good conversation about the whole Nigerian-American and the American culture and a whole bunch of great stuff. So go back and listen to the episode. And then now I'm talking to her husband. So you want to you wanna listen to both. So go listen to her episode first and then come back and listen to this one. But I'll go ahead and get started with Denoris. Denoris, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank and, and I will give you the floor to introduce yourself and tell us about Travel and Truth. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me here. Um, Basically, I started Traveling Truth a few years ago, and it's basically a platform, a video platform that I use for both docu-series and also YouTube videos to really delve into the history and the culture of Africa and the diaspora. Uh, the main purpose I do it for is to, at the end of the day, I want more African-Americans and Africans to, to travel to all the different countries because I do feel like, at the end of the day, we're kind of all in silos. Even when you look at different African countries, you know, people from Kenya don't travel to Nigeria, people from Ghana don't. So the whole purpose is really to encourage traveling amongst everyone to start that dialogue between all of us and, and really break down a lot of the misconceptions that people have. That's great because I was talking to someone two days ago and telling her that, I so I grew up in Nigeria, I lived there for about 15 years and I never visited any other African country until I came to the US. And then I went for work to Tanzania, Tanzania. And that was my first time ever visiting another African country. And I lived in Nigeria for 15 years. So this is a much needed platform because we just don't, I think people do it more now, but then it was just, it just, if you were to travel from Nigeria, you were going abroad. You were going yeah. to Europe, you are going to the U.S., you are going to somewhere mm-hmm. exotic and nice, you're not going to Kenya. But, but and, and that's another reason why I wanted to start the platform is that a lot of people, even in America, before they travel home to Africa, they'll travel to Paris. Yeah. They'll travel to Dubai, and once they get to Dubai, they'll take all these pictures for the gram and, and you know, make it look good. When there's a lot of beautiful places in Africa where you are welcome, you yeah. know, people do accept you for who you are, you know, and I always tell people there's a difference between people accepting your money and the people accepting you. True. People in all these mm. different regions, they'll accept your money, they may be nice to you, but look how they treat the locals, you know, and a lot of these European countries, they treat the locals like, am I allowed to cuss on this? Yes. <laughs> they, they, they treat the locals <laughs> like shit, the black locals like shit, and, but then like, you know, tourists, black tourists come, they, you know, they'll maybe treat them decently. I, I personally have had a lot of racist encounters in Europe. But mm. the, my, my point is we're so quick to uh, support other people's economies with our dollars, but we don't support our own That's a very, economies. very good point. That's a very good point. And a lot of African countries I know are trying to boost their tourism. And so they have, 
you know, they're they're spicing it up a little bit. I mean, I see pictures on the gram, like you said, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't that's nice. That's nice. So that's that's good. I think we need to bring more, you know, awareness to that. And so, what inspired you to start um, Travel and Truth, and how long have you sort of been working on this? Um, well, first, it I'm going to try to keep this very short, but I, I guess <laughs> I first started traveling around 2010. Okay. And when I was traveling, I was traveling to Europe, South America, sometimes Asia, and everywhere I would go, black folks in those countries always took me in. They always treated me well. It does not matter if I was in Brazil, if I was in Paris, I always got a good experience. And on top of that, there was a lot of places around the world where they would say, okay, it's dangerous to go to this country, it's dangerous mm -hmm. to go to that country, and you go there and it's safer in those countries than, than it is in, in Atlanta. <laughs> right. you know, I've been jacked plenty of times at gunpoint in Atlanta, but overseas, you know, it, you can walk down the street and there's a lot of countries where guns are outlawed, for example. Right, right. And so it, I, I went from that to thinking, okay, well, I wonder how it is to travel to Africa then. If people are saying that Africa is this dangerous, then I wonder if this is going to be the same experience. And so I first traveled to South Africa and I had a wonderful experience. Okay. And then learning about the culture and the history of South Africa, it made me want to learn about the different cultures of, of Africa. And so... The more I kept diving into it, the more I kept seeing that there's a lot of stuff that was hidden from us as Americans in our mm -hmm. history books as far as Africa. And I just really wanted to touch on that and cover it and really encourage a lot of black folks to travel to Africa to learn more because yeah. that's the only way you can learn is if you travel, unfortunately. Yeah. And you mentioned something that I wanted to um, dive into. I know we, we have our questions, but now this is yeah, like yeah, going, yeah, going yeah, yeah. somewhere let's else. Go, let's go, let's go. You mentioned that, you know, the reception that you got was very welcoming, mm -hmm. right? So you got there and it was like, you know, you didn't feel out of place or anything like that. And I think that's a very important point to uh, mention because it's very interesting that you say that people get, you know, you get the acceptance there. Mm -hmm. But here in the U.S., we're here, you know, the Africans, the, 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 the notion or general consensus is that we're not as accepting of each other here. Why do you, do you see any kind of relationship there? Like, a, yeah. do you notice that kind of difference? Because when my friends went to Nigeria, they, they loved it and everyone was like mm -hmm. very welcoming, but they did say, you know, of course not as part of our conversation, but that they don't feel that same connection, connection here with Africans here in the U.S. Yeah. I do think, and and there's so many different ways I can take this. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I think. Well, first off, let me say this. Okay, is that it, it's not just Africans. It's a lot of immigrants. Period. That look down on African Americans. I was at dinner uh, for my company a few days ago, and there was an Indian guy at the table, and he was talking about how Indians are much more smarter than African Americans. Is that third Americans? Period. I mean, he was talking about how, um, what did he say? He was saying all this, this, this mumbo jumbo about like, you know, the college acceptance, how they got the limit cap, the number of Indians that gets accepted to a lot of these, these uh, universities. Because they're so smart. Because they're so smart, et cetera. <laughs> and, and I didn't want, because we're at a company dinner, I didn't want to bust his bubble. But the reality of the situation is this. America's visa process is a natural filter. Okay? We only accept the, the people who are talented, 
people who are from other countries, people who are talented, people who have a lot of money, people who are, have, are very ambitious, so on and so forth. And so a lot of times what you have is when people come over here, it's their talented tenth. And they're comparing their talented tenth versus our everybody. Mm. And the thing mm-hmm. is, is that a lot of these people that come down over here and look down on black folks, when you've traveled, I've been to 54 countries in the world. I can say, okay, you know what? I've been in your country, and you guys have a lot of C students. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, not no. everybody's <laughs> in your country, but people come here when they act brand new. Right. You know? Right. And so I think that a lot of times when I travel to Africa, I'm normally, I don't stay at resorts and stuff like that. I'm normally staying in like uh, hostels or bed and breakfasts. So I'm normally amongst the, 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 the normal folks. Right. Not the bougie folks. <laughs> or not the folks that have, like I said, who have the talents or the ambition or the resources to come over here. I, I think that it's more, I think it's more classism mm. than it is anything else. You know, I think that even if you look inside some of these countries all around the world, just not in Africa, the rich folk look down on the poor folk. Absolutely. So I think it's more so classism. And I also think that when people come over here, they like to act brand new. And I don't care whether they're from Africa, China, India, when people come over here, they like to act brand new. Whew. You said a lot. Um, so I, it's I, a, I've been at plenty of dinners with uh, with my wife and somebody would be like, oh, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from here. And people would turn their turn backs on me. Now, it doesn't happen all the time. Like, right. It probably happened like 1% of the time. 99% of the people I've met who, from, who are from the continent have always treated me well. But you do have that right. occurring from time to time. So have you heard the word akata before? I have. <laughs> that that look that look no, on I, your I, face. I've never. No one's ever really explained it. Of course not. <laughs> no one's ever really truly explained it. I've heard like loose definitions. So please, can you give me a loose definition? Oh no! A- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you were gonna throw it back at me. Um, yeah. Well, so it, it has. From what I've learned from this podcast and people I've talked to, both Africans and African-Americans, it, it has varied meanings. My personal opinion is that it's not a warm and fuzzy yeah, <laughs> word yeah. to use to describe anybody. Some people will say that there are some languages, you know, like for instance, it's, it's most, it's originated and it's a Yoruba word. So Yoruba people are not the most um, complimentary people. Um, so we have names <laughs> for people that we, we, we use the names to describe people. Mm-hmm. It's not always nice. And that's just, that's a different topic for me. What it means is, you know, an African-American who's like ghetto and hood and like, you know, unambitious, not doing anything with their lives. They have all these baby daddies and baby mamas and they're in and out of jail. You know, this this stereotypical mm-hmm. type thing. But then it has become like a, a they've kind of expanded the phrase to just mean African-American. Oh, okay. um, so some people use it genuinely to just say, oh, that's an African-American. But it's not <laughs> the me- the real meaning is not complimentary if that makes sense um but then again like you know we are very descriptive people we have we call mexicans cocoyes we call i mean we have names for like different groups um it's not nice um but that's just 
So that's that's what that word means to me personally. Now, you can ask somebody else and I interviewed someone and she said she never thought it was anything negative until she came here. And she's like, oh, because she just thought, you know, you, you're growing up and someone says, oh, so the person is on a kata. And you're like, oh, they're just, that's the name for, that's the Yoruba word for African-Americans. And it's like, oh, wait, that's, that's not what that means. Um, so that's what, that's what it, that's the meaning. That's the definition I can give you. Okay. I did not know that. <laughs> that was my producer, yo. Okay. So, so ask your question again. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm saying, like, <laughs> so I'm saying, so have you, has anyone ever called you that or have you ever seen or, or heard anyone being called that around you or, you know? Well, you know, it's one of those things where it could, someone could have, but I didn't know that what they were saying. You know, and sometimes some people have may have a heavy accent and they may say it and I just not know what they so I didn't really learn what that word was until like a few years ago. So somebody could have been using it and it just went right over my head. That's crazy. So Yeah. You know, it's just but no, have has he have I since I've now recognized what that word is <laughs> going around now, like who said what? <laughs> <laughs> have, have I ever heard me? the word? No, I've never heard the word. Mm-hmm. But even as I mentioned before, like some people's actions still speaks louder than, than the word. Yeah. And I think for so for me, you know, knowing that word and from my personal experience, I really started the podcast to let everyone know that it's a bad word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter how you use it. If you mean well by using it, you it's not complimentary. Um, and I think that it's a descriptor that's so faulty because if you're saying, okay, all African-Americans behave this way, therefore this is the label we're going to put on them, then it's, it's unfair. Like you said, you know, there, you've been to other countries where it's like, I've seen your C students. (laughs) I've seen you're not so bright and not so, and those types of people exist Everywhere, Everywhere. based on, you know, whatever choices they've made or whatever opportunities were afforded to them. That's neither here nor there. But it's it's a thing where you, you know, label everyone Mm -hmm. like that. And I think people just I don't know. Well, you know, what's funny is that and maybe it depends on which African country, but I've been in certain African countries and people are totally unaware of how the rest of the world uh, portrays Africa. So, like, they all, I remember I was in uh, Uganda, man, and this guy, I was showing the guy what I was doing with my footage. He was like, oh, man, that's pretty clever for an African-American. And I was like, well, what the hell you mean by that? And then he took a step back and he explained himself that how the Western, uh, uh, sorry, how the media portrays African-Americans. Yeah. And how it's not until he traveled to America that he realized that, okay, that's not true. Right. But then when I brought up how... Africa's portrayed, he had no clue. Mm. And he's not the only one. I've been to so many different countries that people are like, wait, you mean they, they portray us as living in huts and they portray us as doing this and da da da? I'm like, yeah, they have no clue. Um, I, it, it's when you get into stereotypes, and, 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 and part of the discussion we're, we're having is why is there a divide between Africans right. and African Americans? Right. Part of it is all these different misconceptions yes. on both sides. You know? oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, there's negative images of us, and you see it in rap videos, you see it all on the news, etc. 
But then for Africans, of course, it's the stereotypes of, of terrorism, Africa being filled with terrorism, diseases, poverty, etc. And so I think that because of that, those both of those misconceptions, a lot of people are not willing to, you know, travel to places or maybe even get to know some of these people yes. from both sides of the yeah. aisle. Yeah. But and I will also say this is that everything that's going on is I think is somewhat recent. Okay. So I mentioned that I'm filming a docuseries and the first country that we filmed in was Ghana. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the history of Ghana, even if you go back 50 years ago, African Americans were constantly traveling to Ghana. If you look up Kwame Nkrumah, who was their first president, you'll see pictures of him with Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, uh, uh, Angela... Uh, uh, no, no, not the days. Uh, I, I messed the name up. Uh, Maya Angelou, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Maya Angelou. Um, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, he retired there, and, and he was building this encyclopedia, much like I'm trying to do, building an encyclopedia of all the different African countries and all the different ethnic groups and their history. There was this connection, and then somewhere along the lines, we allowed the media to kind of put a wedge in between us. You know, um, if you look mm -hmm. at the history of all these different African countries, especially Ghana, they had a huge part in the civil rights movement in America, and vice versa. There was an exchange; people were going to Africa, they were coming over here, and we were all our leaders were exchanging right. notes on how to fight oppression. Uh, but since then, you know, the media. The Western media has uh, kind of drove a wedge. Yeah, things. yeah, it's you are so right. It's misconceptions. I know that, you know, growing up, I didn't really watch a lot of TV growing up in Nigeria, but I think I watched like Fresh Prince, and so I saw the good stuff. To be honest, like I didn't see, you know, what other people saw, and so for me, my um, exposure to like African Americans via media was, you know. Will Smith, Fresh Prince, <laughs> and the Cosby Show. So I watched the, so it's all like the good stuff. And so when I came here and started to learn about, you know, the history and all these things, and, and you know, seeing the rap videos, I didn't watch, I, I didn't watch any music videos. So, you know, coming here and seeing, I'm like, oh, wow. So it was a lot of things to reconcile for me um, because it's like, okay, not everybody is like the Cosby Show. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, but you know what though, and I've had this conversation with my wife. Another thing that kind of drives the wedge in between is that number one, it's and and I'm trying to word my words correctly so I don't offend anyone. But when a lot of Africans come over here to America, the first places that they are living in is typically uh, some of the hoods. Let's just be honest. Some uh, they're living in apartment complexes, just trying to transition. Some sure. of them are going to school. Or they're you know trying to support family, they're living in apartment complexes, and they're typically around um, people that are not as educated right. or or don't educate their kids. And so I hear stories a lot of times where like you know when kids are little, they get called African booty scratchers. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. You have a, <laughs> you have a lot of that, but that's also because you're dealing with communities that don't have that proper education on and their exposure. history. Yeah. They don't have that exposure. But that's what happens when a lot of, not just Africans, when a lot of immigrants come to America, they typically are not living in Alpharetta. You know, they're typically yep. off the bat. Unless <laughs> they already come with money. Right. They're not living in communities that's $500,000 to get a house. They're kind of working their way up. And so right. that's what typically happens. You're dealing with communities where people don't get to have a passport and not traveling to be more exposed and more culture. So it, it just happens that way, unfortunately. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so you mentioned your wife, and you know, I talked to her for the last episode, and we talked about you know her being married to an African American, and then you know her story. Like there were a lot of things I didn't know. I didn't know she was born and raised here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no clue that. So that was like. Whoa, okay. Um, I didn't know she was born and raised here because, you know, when we were in college together, um, she was very much Ni- as she was very much Nigerian mm-hmm. in the sense of like the culture and how we talk and mannerisms and all that stuff. So I, I had no clue. Um, but so when she told me and then, you know, that she's married to an African American, we talked, you know, about the cultural sort of differences. So did you experience any I know because Buki, she was born and raised here, so it's a little different than someone like me, for instance, who I was born here, but I wasn't raised here. Mm-hmm. So I moved back here to go to college. And so I have, you know, that Nigerian culture, like I was immersed in it and then came here as opposed to a Nigerian with Nigerian parents who grew up here. So their exposure to the culture is really their parents, right? So it's not like they were, you know. Yeah. So have you noticed any, were there any differences that you were kind of like, oh, okay, this is interesting, or this is different? Well, uh, you know, even though she was born here, they, they, that NYA thing that they have? Sure yes, you know, yes, yes. That keeps them pretty, uh, I guess, in depth with the culture. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is that what I would say is that uh, because she was born here, there were some things that, like, we had in common. Like, right. You know, like, she knows... She, she listens to R&B, all the 90s R&B, all the 80s r Like, you know, there, there's certain things that maybe, you know, if she was start off living in Nigeria, maybe she wouldn't have been exposed to as much, like, you know. But for me, on my hand, some of the cultural differences, uh, it, it takes education to get used to. Like, even like, you know, the first time I met some of the elders, okay, you know, you got to do like the, the, the push-up. The push-up. <laughs> I was like, don't say push-up. But yeah, that's how people describe it. They describe it as the push-up. It's like, I'm like, what? Push-up? Yeah, I don't but. know the correct name. They were just like, I remember, because uh, my wife didn't tell me at first. So I, I know the Yoruba word is to dobale. So you barely like, you know. Prostate. Yeah. I always say like, it sounds like I'm saying prostate. This lady was like, oh, that's not the correct way to greet me. I was like, huh? She was like, no, that's not the correct way to greet me. And I shook my hand out like, oh. She's like, no, you do not greet me like that. And I, I was so confused. So it's like little things like that. And like <laughs> somebody had to come and show me. Um, you know, the food, of course, is, yeah. is there's a big difference with that. Um, but yeah, just, just a lot of little small things. And one thing I do appreciate is the culture. You know, right. um, just learning more about Nigerian culture, the food, the, the music. Because Nigeria is really the cultural hub of Africa. Right. You can, you know, I mean, it's the largest population all the most of the music, the movies, all that stuff is generated from Nigeria. So, like getting to learn all that stuff, you know, it was it was like drinking from a fire hose. But it was <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to describe it. But I, I think that you know, as long as you educate, like you know, you because I think even when if it's like if I, if it's uh, African American from the South dating an African American from up north, there's still a level of education. Like yeah. this is how we do things down south. Right. You know, right. When you come to my mom's house, this is you know you gotta. There's still a level of education no matter what, but you know yeah. it's going to be a little bit more when you're dealing with a culture that is is as intense as Nigerian cultures are. Yeah. So you you, you I'm going to pick on that intense intensity. Yeah. Um, so w- were you? Um, I know you said you were confused when 
whoever it was that you greeted and mm-hmm. they were like, you don't greet. So was it just confusion? Did you feel anything else? Like, because I know some people get offended. No, I didn't get offended. Yeah. I mean, like, once again, we, we talk about, I, I've been to enough countries to know that there are certain know. customs. You yeah. know, we get into, once people are a little bit traveled, then, you know, you expect that there's going to be some differences and you try not to be disrespectful to them. So if anything, I felt like, oh, crap, I'm being disrespectful to them. I didn't right. feel like I was being disrespected. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I mean... Um, so did you, when they now, when they, so when they told you like, okay, this is how you greet this person, were you open to doing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a problem with doing it. I just need to know. <laughs> you need to know what you're doing. Well, my problem was I didn't know. <laughs> and so when the lady's saying that, I'm just like, what is she talking about? And then me and my wife got in a conversation. I was like, yo, you gotta, you gotta. You gotta, you gotta prepare you gotta, me. You gotta prep me. <laughs> be bringing me around everybody without letting me know like how to do this how to do that like like i'm down for the calls you just gotta let me know <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point though because um when i interviewed uh i did one interview so my sis- sister-in-law is married she's african-american and she also would say the same thing she's like nobody told me like i'm trying to hug people and they're like no yeah. don't don't hug me like you need to you know kneel or whatever and it's mm-hmm. like oh i didn't know that's what we're doing yeah, yeah. um and then some people are just not open to it they're like well uh, I, that's great but that's <laughs> <laughs> i don't do that <laughs> what are, what are your thoughts especially like in, in relationships so where what are your thoughts about when people are i don't want to say they're opposed to it but they also want to maintain their own culture like for instance like if you if you come from a culture where in your home like you give older people a handshake mm-hmm. or you give them a hug or whatever do you think that it's fair to expect that now that you are you know in a relationship with a Nigerian or whoever from an African country that you have to do things the way they do things like do you feel like you that people feel like they have to do it no i feel like you have to do it Personally, I feel like you have to do it. It's like when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Like you can't come to somebody's house and and not follow their rules. That's just that's just disrespectful. But I think that in any culture, you're gonna have people that are open minded, people that are closed minded. Don't date somebody that's closed minded. <laughs> like, it's just that simple. Like, I, I I do know one person that I know that he is stubborn enough to to pull something like that off. Dating somebody that's in a similar culture as his, but he's stubborn. So like. For him, he shouldn't be dating a girl that's not in his culture because he's not going to, you know, bend. 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 Yeah. But I think in any relationship, any functional relationship, there's some give and take. Right. You know, any healthy relationship. So you just got to, you know, if, if, if these are the rules, then just go out. And I actually like some of the rules. Like, I, I do think that the good thing about traveling, especially when it comes to Africa, I do think that there's a lot that we can learn from each other. Yeah. There's a lot of customs from both sides where you can say, okay, you know what? I like the way you guys do this. Yes. How about we do it? Like, for example, I like, and I think one of the things I'm going to cover on one of the uh, episodes of the documentary is what are some of the things that we lost when we came across the boats? And then what are some of the things that we brought over here like you know jazz jazz was actually invented in Mali we brought it over and and kind of reinvented it there's like a lot of little things twerking was 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 invented in Ivory Coast like there's all these different cultural things that that we brought over Mm -hmm. Um, but then there's a lot that we lost and one of the things that I 
I love observing, like being married to a Nigerian here, is how you guys are very close knit as a community. Mm-hmm. And it's like, for for example, I didn't know. I thought my wife had like two hundred uncles. I had no clue. <laughs> she only had Everybody. three. Everybody's your uncle. And and <laughs> what it does is, you know, you go to like some of these weddings. I've been to like a lot of weddings. And it's this person's like you can see the the elders talking to the kids, oh what college are you going to? What da they're little kids, but they're constantly telling them what college you go to. It's like the whole village raises a kid mentality. Yeah. And that's something that over time we've become more westernized. Yeah. And and become more a little bit more individual is, is, is that word individualistic or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that that might work for European society, but we are, at the end of the day, we are Africans. So that individual mindset does not work for our community, which is why, if you look at statistics, is one of the reasons why you can't get black businesses to have the same level of support as every other business. You know, I'm not sure if you've seen the statistics where Mm -hmm. every dollar, for every dollar that flows into the Asian community, it circulates like, I think, 15 times before it exits. Every dollar that enters like the Hispanic community, it circulates seven times before it exits community. Every dollar that enters in the black community, it doesn't even exchange another black person's hand before it exits. Which means that anytime somebody gets some money, they're quickly going to spend it in other businesses owned by other people. We don't have that that group mindset like mm. other people do. And that's one of the things that we've lost. And one of the things that I love when I go to all these Nigerian functions, just observing and 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 seeing, okay, what can we take from, from these different cultures in Africa and bring it to our culture to make our culture a little bit better? That's, that's, that's so true. Um, yeah, we have, I have a lot of aunties and uncles. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just always pray that nobody asks me, like, how are you related? Yeah. And then I'll be like, well, technically we're not related, but everybody's auntie and uncle. It's just, and I know, you know, growing up in Nigeria too, like, I remember one time I, I I can't remember what I did. Oh no! So I I was coming home from school and I went to a boy's house, and then because <laughs> I knew my parents weren't home, so I went to his house, and he walked me home. But like we took like a different way so that I wouldn't pass by the houses of like people I knew, and so when I got to the corner, then he went back. So I went home thinking, oh, I'm free. And my mother came home from work and she said, so and so called me and said they saw you. And I was just like, oh, my. like people like it's it really is a community where a, a lady that lives two doors down can scold your child. Well, it used to be like that for us. I would get whooped by the neighbor. <laughs> even, Can't even, try that now. Yeah. Even even when I was in third grade, we used to get whooped by the teachers and then everything just it changed. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's not like that anymore. No, it's it's not like that, and it's also, you know, things. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I'd feel about the neighbor whooping my child right now. See, see, see? because because we've it's just we've just become so like you said, yeah, westernized and individual. Like, I mean, for for my, my mom and my brother and like my immediate family, sure. Um, and like my close friends, they can be like, you know, you know, sit down or, you know, that kind of thing. But like, but I mean, back in Nigeria, it's like somebody 
to where you're like in your mind you're cursing them out like you need to mind your business more because <laughs> I don't even know you like, like who yeah, are you who yeah, are you yeah. um, but it's interesting that you brought that up and also the the whole economic aspect of mm-hmm. like black owned businesses so for me as an African right so I so well that's another story but for me I you know I support black owned businesses um, because I feel like it's something that I should do. Um, it's something that I seek out. So it's like, okay, if you know, I'm looking for someone to cut down a tree, is there a black-owned tree-cutting business? If I'm looking for someone to move, can I find a black mover? Um, but for a lot of people, it's not like that because there's, a, there's this lack of trust. Um, we always, some of us feel like, you know, that we can't trust you know, an, a black-owned business to deliver, like, uh, I don't want to say a white-owned business, well, but like another business would. Well, okay, let me, we're hitting a hot topic now. Okay. <laughs> because you know what's so funny is that I see all the time, like, once again, there's good businesses that are white, there's bad businesses that are white, yes. good businesses that are black. Have you ever been to La Petite Manche, the restaurant? No. It's one of the best black restaurants, sorry, it's one of the best restaurants in Atlanta, a black lady owns it. Like, mm. It's it's it's, it's a bronze go. spot. Yeah, it's a bronze spot. It's it, but the line is it, long. Yeah, but I don't go anywhere. There's a lot of good businesses, but what I found is two things. Number one, I'm gonna, uh, is that I feel like if a white business, if people get bad service from a white business, they'll still give it another chance. Black folks, if they get bad service from a black business, they're not going to give it another chance. But it's the expectation, though. I think we, so I feel, I feel like we would have a higher expect. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, let's say you're a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And you have students in your class and, you know, you have black students and you have students of other races or whatever. Your expectation of a black student is like, I need you to be the best student in this class just because I'm black and you're black. Like that's, I don't know if that's the same thing here, but it's like, it's like, it's more like you know better. Like don't don't do me like that. Like don't you know what I'm? Do you do you understand what I'm trying to say? Here's why I want to disagree. Okay. Slightly. Well, okay. I see what you're saying with mm-hmm. the students, but when it comes to businesses, I think that, like you ever hear like the black dog white dog test? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Teach me. No. So, so it goes back to the media, and not I'm not saying recent media. I'm talking mm-hmm. about media from a hundred years ago when like you know uh, film just started and they were consistently portraying black people as really, really bad. They gave little kids, little black kids, a doll. Oh, the doll. doll. Okay, yeah, okay. Doll okay. Sorry. So you know I thought, yes, I know what you're talking about. And yeah. it, it's one of the situations where it's like this. And, and I was talking to a, a, a old, a old uh, guy who was like part of the civil rights movement. Mm. And he, we were, had this very same conversation. And he was telling us the history. He was saying basically the civil rights really screwed the African-American community. I asked him well, why. Because he said back in those days, we were forced to support each other's businesses. He said the day the civil rights were passed and black folks could eat at white restaurants, uh. black folks moved to, from the black restaurants to the white restaurants, even though in the back it was the same chefs. In the back was all black chefs. The, the black chefs who were cooking at the black restaurants, they were also cooking at the white restaurants. And so I asked him, like, why they do that? Because he said, because most black folks feel like a steak tastes better if you sit next to a white man. It's a colonized mentality. Mm-hmm. That's not only in America, 
When I travel to Africa, I'm, I would say this, getting on Africa, the one thing that shocked me, I spent six months backpacking across Africa. Wow. The one thing that shocked me was I didn't see that many black-owned businesses in Africa. Everything was imported. Cars. Oh, oh yeah. Electronics. Uh, a lot of the hotels were owned by people from Lebanon yeah. and, and Europe. And I thought that I was going to go to Africa. I don't know if you ever seen the movie Boomerang, mm -hmm. right? Where in the movie Boomerang, like everyone's like successful and they got these black owned businesses and black. And I thought it was going to be like that. And I was just shocked that everything was imported. There was no, even to this day, there's only like four black, I think, car manufacturers. Everything else is, and you probably never even heard of them. Yeah, I think one is in Nigeria, one is in Ghana. All that's it's the parts of made in China. One is in Uganda. Yeah, the the China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah China yeah. is. <laughs> I mean, even in Nigeria, like you know, it, the, the, it's 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 a variety of things. So in Nigeria, one thing is so we in Nigeria, especially. I don't know about other countries. You know, of course, you watch Western media mm -hmm. and see how things are. People are living their lives. It's like, oh, I want that. It's like, oh, I want that handbag. I want that hair. I want that booty. I want that. I mean, so a lot of the Western stuff that we're doing here, the what I call the Kardashianization, mm -hmm. is 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 so much there now oh, to yeah. where it's yeah. it's it's filtering down there, and people just want better stuff because the 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 misconception is that if if it's imported, it's better. So if it's it's yeah. made somewhere else, it's better. It's better quality. And again, it goes back to that putting America and Europe and all these other countries on that high pedestal, like. Oh, it's them. They can't. They're not going to give you anything crappy, like a crappy product. If it's if it's from America, in if it's from America, it's going to last 20 years. That as far as they're concerned, it's going to last long because it was made, you know, here. But then it wasn't really made here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was made in, in like China. China, China yeah. yeah. It, it, to me, the same mentality, whereas black folks not supporting businesses here, it goes the same thing with a lot of people in the African continent not supporting their own manufacturing, right. et cetera. It's, it's no matter, I think the one thing that has shocked me, it's not every African country, but a lot of African countries, there's still a colonized mindset. And it's in America and it's a lot of places on the continent. And and yes, I have started to see that Kardashian effect. Uh, Kardashianization. And it, it, it's sad <laughs> because the thing that I love about Africa, I, like, I hate the fact that a lot of African countries are trying to become more westernized. I hate that with a passion because that's what makes Africa so unique. Right. Um, and a lot of people, you know, there's, a, I don't know about Nigerians, but there's a lot of Ghanaians who have traveled to America been here because they thought that America was like the dream and I've been here and thought oh my god I had it better back where I was mm. from and they have traveled back yeah. to Ghana yeah everything that's the western world is really good at marketing that's it that's all they're really good at portraying an image like we, I was having this conversation with uh, people the other day about the economy mm -hmm. America doesn't make much of anything anymore China's right. you know China is now the more dominant as far as economics. We, we, we're a nation full of debt, et cetera. But what's keeping the economy going is the fact that we're like the cool kids in the world. Exactly. And exactly. It's all based all image. It's all it's marketing. Image. Yep. Know. Yep. That's true. That's so true. It's all, we, we look cool. 
And that's why, you know, and, and being looking cool. Hey, look, it's it's it, it has gotten it's got us far <laughs> because if you were to dig under, you know, it's not so cool. It's yeah. not so, you know, it's not so as stable as as it seems. But so let me talk to you really quickly about immigration. So I know that, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit and how, you know, African immigrants just come here and kind of look down on African Americans. Some of some it's a small percentage, but some yeah. of them. And, you know, some of the, the things that, you know, I know that for me, I also felt the same way. Like when I came here and I'm like, how can you not be in school? It's like free education. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you know, you have the bus like comes right in front of you. Like, those were the kind of things that made me angry at African American it's not all because of course there's some who are educated and you know well to do but the ones that weren't I'm like how can you not like it's right there and so a lot of African immigrants will feel like well you are not taking advantage of the resources that are at your disposal and me as an immigrant coming in if I can do it why can't you do it and why don't you do it yeah. What do you think about that? But you're also ambitious. <laughs> but so so what, what, what I'm saying is that I agree with everything you're saying. But what I'm saying is it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Whereas if I was to go to any other country in the world, you would find the same thing. You'll find people that right. don't want to go to school. You'll find people that due to their economic circumstances, maybe they're uh, not feeling as motivated or feeling like there's like this glass ceiling that they can never get above. Right. Or Maybe they're dealing with a lot. You have people, uh, not not generalizing anything right. like that, but you have people in a lot of these neighborhoods. You don't know what they're dealing with at home, mm-hmm. and so. But I think once you travel the world, you see that in every community. You know what I'm saying? Right. But like, but it looks worse here because you do have the bus pulling up to your house, man, you know? right you in front have, of your house. You do have those conveniences, <laughs> but at the same time, in these neighborhoods. A lot of people feel like they don't have any hope. Mm. And that stems back. The thing is, is that it's hard for people from other countries to come and really assess what's going on with African-Americans because there's a lot of things that go back hundreds of years ago. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of psychological things that we have subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So let me explain this a test that they gave um, to, to mice. Okay. They had two different mice. Uh, let's just say one was white, one was black. Okay, mm-hmm. the white mice they would have and let the mice go and eat cheese. Okay, no problem. The black mice, anytime it went to go eat cheese, it would get shocked. Okay, these mice then had offspring. They then, as soon as the offspring was born, they removed the parent mice. Anytime the white mice go eat cheese, the baby mice, no problem. Anytime the black mice would go eat cheese. They were always hesitant and afraid, which means that what the test was all about was basically how much trauma, mm. how much do we carry on from generation generation to generation subconsciously through our DNA. And right. so, when you whenever you look at the African American population, it is there's a lot we we've never healed from 400 years of slavery, then another hundred years of indentured servitude and civil rights. So, like I was telling the story the other day, my grandmother was an indentured servant. Hmm. She was what they call a sharecropper. When people talk about slavery, they act like slavery was like something in the far distance. My right. grandmother was a sharecropper, which is basically legalized slavery. And that's how and she that's met your my, grandmother. That's my grandmother. Yeah. And that's how she met my grandfather. And this is the woman that 
raise me partially. So we're not, there's still a lot to unpack mm-hmm. that I, I think that I'm not making excuses, but I'm oh, saying like we've never yeah. had the chance to uh, heal as a community. And that's one of the reasons why I want, I started this platform because I don't think that black folks in America would ever be free unless they move back to Africa. I feel like we're in a abusive relationship mm. <laughs> with America. It has all the familiar signs of an abusive relationship, you know. Whereas, like when you know, when you typically study people who are in abusive relationships, they try to make it seem like the, the abuser makes it seem like, all right, you ain't gonna have it as good as you have it anywhere else but here. America tries to make it seem like, hey, listen, uh, all these other countries are dangerous. You got good here, mm. you know. It's it's the, the forgiving, like you know. Uh, you look at people who are in abusive relationships, they can get smacked around, smacked around, smacked around, but that person still forgives and da da da. How many times are we going to see black folks get shot and killed by police officers or our economies getting, uh, well, our neighborhoods being economically deprived and education? How much is that going to continue before we say, okay, we, we want to pack up our bags? It's hard for a lot of people to do that because we're still in this kind of abusive relationship. So there's I say all I have to say that there's a lot to unpack, and it's just it's it's hard to just say okay why is it that these people do this? If you're going to look at that, then you have to also look at everything else that surrounds it. That so I I there was a part where you said that you know the what's ingrained is like look you you can't go anywhere else like you have it good you think you think that you can go somewhere else and live a better life than what you have right now mm-hmm. think again it's funny because a lot of african immigrants also feel the same way in the sense that so we you know a lot of african immigrants leave african mm-hmm. countries for better opportunities mm-hmm. so we're coming here for, I guess, into the abusive relationship because we're like, look, this is like, it's, it's like, it's, and I'm not, you know, trying to, I'm not trying to make a point. I'm just, I'm just uh, speaking out, thinking out loud yeah, where yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. when you we're explain it, trust. yeah, when you explain it that way, <laughs> when you explain it that way, it's like, wow. So those of us who come here, you know, from African countries and immigrate here, you know, come here to for better opportunities. Mm-hmm. We are seeing it as we don't see it as an abusive relationship. We see it as opportunity. You, you, this is oppor- like this is good. Like, oh, so you get to like, you know, you get all these not necessarily passes, but you you have opportunities here that we don't even have. So for you to describe it as an abusive relationship, it makes sense. It, I'm not, it, it clicked. I'm like, oh, wow, that is so true because that's, what, that's how abusive relationships are. It's like, you're not going to get it any better. But from the immigrant's perspective, it's, it's like we are also in the abusive relationship. Not really. But with the child, the no, stepchild. No, the, you, you're not in an abusive relationship, and I'll tell you why. Okay. If you notice... A lot of these, anytime you see any injustices, and I, and I hate to focus on like all the police killings, but that's just the most like, you know, right. apparent. They don't really target Africans as much. Why is that? They don't target African immigrants. They don't try to, They don't target Chinese immigrants. They don't even target that many Mexican immigrants. Why is that? Because at the end of the day, you have somewhere to call home to. And what I mean by that is, years ago, 
um, there was a story with the. Um, there was like a, I forgot where the kid was from, Pakistan or something like that, but he had like a little toy clock or whatever that he created. And mm. there was a lot of controversy around that. Whichever country he was from, they were like, yo, get get our, get our little kid out of jail. Right. You know, if, if the U.S. tries to mistreat any citizen of China, guess what's going to happen? China's going to be like, hey, listen, we about, to, we about to cancel some deal or something like that because you guys are mistreating our citizens. You, as a Nigerian immigrant, if... America was to lock you up unjustly, etc. You guys got a consulate you can go to. You have an uh, embassy that, that you can at least generate some. Uh, well. But what I'm saying, <laughs> what I'm saying is you still have some political cachet. Well, I wouldn't say political cachet, but more like a... It's more of you have people back home. So, you know, the, the you political... S- government back home. Oh, no, we here. don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I, I get where you're. I get where you're going. I think for us is so. Let me give you an example. So, for instance, now with what's going on with Donald Trump and and African immigrants for you know and African countries and him like scrapping the whole visa lottery thing yeah. for certain African countries. So what's happening is that there's there's an agreement with other countries in the U.S. that if, you know, your citizen or whoever's from here comes here and does something and we have to deport them, there's this process, right, that you have to follow where, okay, let's say I do something, I get deported, you know, it's not like, okay, put her on the plane and just drop her off at the airport, right? There's a process. A lot of African countries don't stick, they don't stick to the process because it's like, yeah, you're going to deport somebody and send them back? that. They, they, they don't care. Um, so that's Trump's frustration with African countries. It's like, you need to take your people back. And African countries are like, I, I, look, I don't know this person. I don't know what they're doing there. But I, they, we don't follow the process. But I do get your point. Is, is there a mistreatment? Like, Mistre- are you guys getting... Uh, police brutality or is there any other type of witness? it's mostly corruption um i think nigeria's problem really is corruption of of, of the leaders and there's well compared to america it's a power struggle but the police are they whack they're not like the police here i mean some of them do wield their their power but, I mean, for instance, there was a time when we got robbed in Nigeria, right? And we called the police station. And they're like, we don't have a car. <laughs> and it's like, they were like, oh, if you, or, or was it me? I, I might be mixing up my stories. But it was more like, you know, if you send us gas, <laughs> we'll, we'll come. And by this time, the, the people that robbed you are like in oh, their yeah. house, yeah. taking a nap. You know, so there's... For me, for Nigeria especially, it's it's really corruption and there's like no middle class. So it's like yeah, stark that. differences. But I get your point in terms of other immigrants, I would yeah. say. That other immigrants are, you know, the Chinese and, you know, they're like, come back home. Like, what are you doing there anyway? You still have a country that could, could apply political pressure. You still have an embassy to call. If a black person is getting... You know, beat up by the police. Who, they Who you want to call? Ghostbusters. I'm kidding. I wanted to say that. You so know what I'm saying? Like, it's been numerous. If you really look at it in the past, let's say even decade, there's been numerous situations yeah. where uh, America's mistreated somebody's citizen, or you know, somebody that has a passport to it, and then that country, their leaders or whatever, they apply political pressure on America mm-hmm. to 
even if it's sending them home, you still have somewhere to, to go. To. Yeah. In a abusive relationship, <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah. have nobody to call home to. Yeah. yeah. You don't have anyone that's going to reach out. And and I think the difference, and you looked at what well, I was mentioning earlier, the 50s and the 60s, is that Ghana was that kind of big brother to African Americans mm-hmm. where they did apply a lot of pressure to the United States for uh, civil rights. Yeah. But since then, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Well, so my last question to you would be, in addition to travel, of course, which is your platform of exposure and learning, what are some other ways that you can think of that you would say is a good way to bridge that gap other than travel? You know, some people maybe can't travel or don't have the means to travel, but here in the U.S., what can we do as Africans, African immigrants and African Americans to kind of bridge that I think it, it, it would take everybody on an individual level just to make friends with other people and, and really learn about the culture. I, I only say travel because it's just not that much as far as history, culture. There's just not that much in textbooks or anything. But for me, like, you know, you go to college, you're in class with a lot of people from all around the world. And, and befriending them, you get to learn a lot about yeah. the culture. And I do think that... You know, it would be so nice if a lot of people from the continent could just, like, teach. You know, like, I have a lot of African friends, but they've never, like, sat me down and was like, yo, this is what we do, da 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 Because I think for the longest, I could be wrong, but with some people, they didn't feel as much pride about their culture because of the way the media portrayed things. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, like, they love the movie Black Panther because they're like, now people finally, like, you know. Oh, yeah, people got hype about Black Panther. But... But before that, like, I have a lot of African friends. I'm like, yo, why didn't you teach me about this years ago and this years ago, this years ago? Like, you know, I've known you for 15 years. And I'm like, oh, you know, I just... I didn't know you wanted to know or I didn't yeah, think uh, about it. Yeah. You know, I, I do think that because you don't know what you don't know. Right. Like, even me, I didn't know that there were, like, 1,500 plus different African ethnic groups. Mm-hmm. And most of them ain't got nothing to do with each other, you know? Like, even, like, you look at a country like Nigeria, you guys have dozens and dozens of different ethnic groups that at one point in time were their own countries. And that's something that a lot of people don't understand. That's one of the things that I try to stress of how you, how to view Africa. I try to view Africa in the sense of pre-colonization where you have all these different, it was like over a thousand different countries, you know? Um, Because like when you hear Nigerian, like I remember the first time I went to, my wife is Yoruba. I went to an Igbo wedding with my wife, you know, the Igbos on the microphone speaking in their language. So I asked my wife, I was like, yo, uh, like, <laughs> she's like, I don't know what they're talking about. She's like, I don't know what they're talking about. How the hell can you not? You're Nigerian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know little small details. That yeah. Like, nobody, no one teaches us that. Because in every other region in the world, you know, outside maybe a few countries, Everyone in that same country speaks the same language. They're from the same right. background, etc. But with Africa, they divided up the lines a little bit yeah. you know, differently because of colonization. So I do think that for African Americans on our end, it, it, it's about being more accepting and also teaching your kids to be more accepting mm-hmm. uh, and not know, not believe what's going on in the media and all that type of stuff. And then for for Africans, I think that educating all your friends it, it's a huge step. Yeah, a huge step for. But yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I, I don't really. I think really to me, traveling is the best way. Yeah. Because you people have to unfortunately see for themselves. You know, yeah. So really. Yeah. You know, 
And I do think it takes both sides to travel. But, you know, I would like to see more organizations around the unity of African-Americans and African-Americans. Like, even when I was in college, you had, uh, that, what was it, the African, African Students, Students Association. Association. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, it would be nice. I mean, I know there's, certain, there's a lot of organizations that we had on campus where everyone was in the same thing, but it would be nice to have an organization for that specific purpose. Mm-hmm. Of, because then, at the same time, as I mentioned before, one thing I like about traveling is that you get to learn and you get to kind of like say, okay, I like that about your culture. It'd be nice if we applied this. The more you start that dialogue, the more you can really learn about what's the best practices and then also learn about what they're doing in this country. And then it also helps out socially. Like I tell people all the time, I'm able to do well in business only because I've traveled and I've learned different things about people. So if I'm in the table with an Indian guy, I can have a shallow level conversation with him about cricket, you know? If right. I'm talking to somebody that is from Kenya, I can have a shallow conversation about all the different things, you know, whatever's going on in Kenya. So right. I still do think that at least having friends, making friends of different cultures, not outside of people that, that think like you or look like you, right. is, is, is helpful. Right. Well, thank you so much. Please, um, so your travel travel and truth, travel A-N-D. A-N-D truth Trivial. on Instagram. Instagram, Twitter, I don't, I don't get on Twitter as much. And okay. And um, on YouTube, Travel and Truth. Travel and Truth. And then later this year, hopefully, the first episode of the docuseries is coming out. Please send that to me so I, I can I definitely. Um, no, it's going to be the that sounds That sounds really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. No problem. No problem. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Akata is a Bad Word. Keep up with episodes and more via iTunes, SoundCloud, and on Instagram at A-K-A-T-A is a bad word.